Good morning, everyone. Um, welcome once again to my garage. Uh, it is good to be the church again today. Thanks for being part of this morning. Um, I uh, I hope that you have found um, the Psalms of Lament uh, helpful in some way this week. I'm really thankful to those that have read, that have um, helped lead those times of reflection. I just continue to believe that it's really important that we acknowledge and own what's going on in our hearts and in our minds and be able to bring all of it to the feet of Jesus, believing that, um, believing that he cares for us. We truly believe that he cares for us. We want to bring all that's going on uh, in here and in here to uh, to him and we are determined uh, to trust him with uh, all that we have through all that is going on around us. Uh, this morning I would uh, I love just to look at three stories in the Bible. Um, three stories that we have I suppose um, post-resurrection. Last Sunday was Easter Sunday was Resurrection Sunday where we celebrated uh, the fact, the wonder that Jesus has, uh, has defeated death, the grave, that he is alive, that he is ruling, that he is reigning, that he is still good, that he still loves us, that he is for us, that he is longing for each one of us uh, to, be, um, to become more like him, to be the divine image bearers that he has created all of us to be. To bring the light and the hope and joy and peace across our families, across our communities, across the world, and um, and so, but there, there, there's three there's three stories that I'd love us to look at: the response of uh, Peter, Thomas, and the two people on the road to Emmaus. And um, and so, whether you whether you are part of a church or not, whether it's been a long time since you've been at church. You might still be familiar with uh, with this Bible character called Peter. Um, Peter, if he's not putting his foot in the water, he's putting his foot in his mouth. He's this uh, impulsive, larger-than-life character. Um, and his, his Good Friday didn't go so well. Because Jesus had came to Peter and had told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter refused to believe that that was possible. See, Peter, we, when we consider the things that Peter experienced with Jesus in such a short space of time, it's remarkable. What Peter had got to see, what he'd got to testify to, all of, the, all of the things that he'd experienced with Jesus. He was really close with Jesus. Peter was one of, these, was one of the three that Jesus had, had brought in really close. And so Peter just refused to believe that it was possible for him to deny, to deny Jesus. But we read on that, uh, on that, on that Good Friday of, as Jesus was facing his, his darkest hour, as Jesus was going through his most troubling moments, Peter was among the crowd, denying that he ever knew him. 
and it is really hard to imagine. I, f- I find it really hard to imagine what could possibly have been going on in Peter's head as he made his way to the empty tomb. And we're told about it in Luke 24. Um, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the others went to tell the disciples about uh, about the fact that Jesus was no longer in the tomb, that he had risen. And verse 12 of Luke 24 tells us Peter got up. The others didn't, the others didn't believe. Their words seemed like nonsense, we're told. But Peter, he got up and went to the tomb. And bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. And so in all of the conversation and all that was going on, as the women came back and told the disciples what they had seen, they refused to believe. But Peter got up, slipped away off, seen the empty tomb and walked away wondering what was going on. I don't know, I don't know what was going on in, in Peter's head. But I think that he, was, he walked away discouraged. I think he walked away still carrying that, a deep sense of guilt and shame. While Jesus was being crucified, while Jesus was in the darkest moments of his life, Peter, who was his closest friend, was nowhere to be seen and even worse was denying that he never knew him. And he'd never got a chance to make it right. He never got a chance to explain himself or even try to justify himself. He walks away not knowing what's going on and I think with a sense of still carrying some shame, still carrying some guilt. He walks away discouraged. I want us to think about Thomas. Again, if you're not familiar with the, with the stories of the Bible, you might be familiar with Doubting Thomas. And John chapter 20, verse 25, uh, for whatever reason, Thomas wasn't in the room when Jesus first came and appeared to the disciples. And so excitedly, as you can imagine, they run and they see Thomas. Thomas, you missed it. You missed that Jesus came and and physically resurrected body was standing before us and he and he breathed peace. He he breathed Holy Spirit upon us. And Thomas refused to believe. Thomas couldn't believe that it was true. Verse twenty five says the disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. And Thomas said, Unless I see it for myself. Unless I see his hands and see see the marks in his side, I can't believe it. I'd love just to say this. Thomas is known for being Doubting Thomas, which I think is slightly unfair. He is doubting in this moment, but to tar him with that that brush is, is, is unfair, I think. Because in John chapter 11, uh, I've always been struck by the response of Thomas in John chapter 11 where Jesus is saying to his disciples Lazarus is sick and I need to go back and see him and the disciples are like Jesus we can't go back there 
Do you not remember what happened whenever we were last in Judea? They were trying to kill you. The Jews were trying to stone you. And you want to go back there? You want to take us back right into the middle of all of that? And Thomas, uh, in verse 16 of John chapter 11, says, Let us go with him so that we may die with him. You see, it's, he's, he's known, he's become famous for doubting Thomas. But here in this moment, he was willing to follow Jesus, even if it meant, uh, even if it cost him his life. And so we can sometimes ignore or, or, or miss that part of Thomas's uh, personality, part of Thomas's story. But anyway, his response in this moment was to walk away doubting. So Peter walked away from what he had seen discouraged uh, Thomas walked away from what he had heard still doubting and then we have these two people on the road to Emmaus and I think it's worth pointing out that uh, it's we know this story because of where they're walking to but I think it's important to remember where they're walking from they're walking from Jerusalem they're walking away from Jerusalem. They're walking away from Jesus. And they're walking away incredibly disappointed. Luke 24 is the place that tells us the story. And in verse 21, we hear something of the conversation that has taken place uh, as they're making their way back to Emmaus from Jerusalem. They're speaking of Jesus, they're saying, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. So they're walking away incredibly disillusioned, incredibly disappointed. All that they had thought was going to happen, all they believed that Jesus was going to do, he hadn't done. And now he's, and now he's dead. And everything that they'd hoped in, everything that they thought was going to happen has died along with it. And so they're walking away from Jerusalem disappointed. And I want to highlight those three stories not to not to point the finger at Peter or point the finger at Thomas or point the finger at the two on the way to Emmaus because if you're like me you've found yourself in those with those emotions many times and maybe even right now you're in a moment where you're discouraged you're in a moment where you're doubting you're in a moment where you're disappointed or disillusioned but I want us to see the response of Jesus to these um, three stories to these four characters in these three stories the response of Jesus and so in John chapter 21 I love it I love the what t- takes place um, as Jesus makes his way to the seashore and Peter has a moment where he is going to be restored over breakfast and it's going to be over breakfast that Jesus makes I bet it was pretty good Jesus has made breakfast on the beach while Peter and the others are out fishing and I want to I want you to take note how Jesus I suppose I'm looking at Jesus response it's important to see what he doesn't do as much as what he does do because he doesn't condemn 
he doesn't wait for Peter to come in to the in from the sea back to the shore so they can give him a telling off so they can point the finger and for Jesus it just seems to be enough it seems to be enough that Peter has just made his way toward him that he's ran toward him it almost seems to be enough and as I was considering that as, as I was considering Jesus making a feast for Peter the one who had denied him the one who had had treated him as a friend badly Jesus makes a feast and, and invites Peter to it and I couldn't help but be reminded of the story of the prodigal son where the son had ran away from the father that he had treated his father abysmally and he ran away and he found himself at the lowest place he could possibly have imagined and he rehearses this speech he decides he's going to make his way back he can't handle it anymore and so he's he's decided that he's going to make his way back towards the father and he rehearses this speech and I imagine that he, he went over it over it in his head the whole walk home And it seemed to be enough for the father that he had turned back toward him. Because as the prodigal son makes his way home, the father runs and embraces him, showers him with affection. And as the boy and as the son begins to begins to the speech that he has rehearsed, he can't even get through it because the father stops him and says, Son, you, you've made your way home. That's enough. Let's prepare a feast. Go and get the fatted calf. Go and get the ring. Go and get the cl- the coat. And um, it seems to be enough that he's turned his heart toward home. And I we, I don't know if Peter had a speech prepared. I don't know if Peter walked away from the tomb, wondering what was going on, wondering what had happened thinking to himself if I could only if I could only be if I could just be able to say this to Jesus if I could just tell him that I was sorry if I could just tell him that I made a mess I don't know we don't know if Peter had rehearsed his speech but Jesus has a meal prepared for him and as they break bread on the beach Jesus asks Peter do you love me Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Every time Peter says, yes, Lord, you know it. You know that I love you. You know my heart. And Jesus says, well, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Peter, you're going to be a shepherd. You've went back to fishing, but that's not who you are. That's not how I see you. That's not what I've created you to do. You're a shepherd. And the response of Jesus to Peter's discouragement, to his to to his carrying of guilt and shame, is Peter, what you've done or said hasn't changed my feelings about you, and it hasn't changed my plans for you. 
And so again, no matter who you are, no matter where, where you find yourself on this journey, whether you're walking with Jesus or not, no matter what you've said or what you've done, it doesn't change his feelings about you. Nothing will change his feelings about you or the plans that he has for you. And so let's see the response of Jesus towards Thomas. And again, he doesn't give Thomas a hard time. He doesn't criticise Thomas. See, Thomas has walked away, has walked away doubting. We're told it's a week later that again they're in the room with the door locked and Jesus comes, stands among them. He comes alongside them, stands shoulder to shoulder. And he doesn't condemn Thomas for doubting. He doesn't criticise him. He doesn't point the finger. But he comes and he stands beside him and he says, peace be with you. He says the same thing that he said to the the disciples the week before comes and stands among them comes and stands shoulder to shoulder and says peace be with you and he says Thomas look look at my hands look at my side and Thomas Thomas exclaims my God my Lord and Jesus had done the same with the other disciples like in my head I'm thinking like this is the this is the first time this is the first time that Jesus has come and made himself present in his resurrected body with the disciples and again I'm thinking like Jesus would be in his Jesus would be within his rights to say guys where were you like all that we've experienced all that we've been doing all that we've been learning together over the last 3 years and in my darkest moment, my soul was overwhelmed with trouble. You ran. Where did you go? Why did you run? But Jesus doesn't do that. He came and he, and he stood among the disciples. And he said, peace be with you. And he breathed, his Holy, breathed the Holy Spirit on them and says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So the doubting, the doubting that Thomas was was going through the response of Jesus was to come in much the same as he did with Peter you're doubting it doesn't change my my feelings towards you what he communicated to the disciples even though they'd fled even though they were running away in fear doesn't change the plan that he has for them he's still saying as the father has sent me so I am sending you and even though some have walked away discouraged, some have walked away doubting, some have walked away in fear, the response of Jesus is, I find it stunning. And then on the, on the road to Emmaus, and as I've said, it's, I think it's more significant where they are walking away from. Because here Jesus comes to these two people that are walking away from Jerusalem, that are walking away from Jesus, carrying such disappointment he is not who we thought he was he didn't do what we thought he was going to do and Jesus comes and he walks with them Jesus walks with those who are walking away from him and so again I know it probably sounds like I'm repeating myself but no matter who you are honestly no matter where you find yourself 
no matter what you've said or what you've done, Jesus still walks with those who are walking away from him. I suppose just to caveat that in some way, verse 28 and verse 29 of Luke 24 says, as they, Jesus is walking with them, they're talking about what's happened. They're talking about the scriptures. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And so as much as Jesus walks with us as we walk away from him, he still waits to be invited in. He'll not force himself into your home, he'll not force himself into your life, but he'll walk with you. He'll walk with you. And these two guys didn't even realise it was Jesus. And that might be the case for some people that are listening right now. Like you're walking away from Jesus. And I, want to, I want you to know that he's walk, he walks with you. We've been looking at the Psalms this week in Psalm 23, the most famous of all Psalms, I guess. That goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. He'll walk with you, and even though you mightn't recognise him, even though you mightn't be aware that it's him, he's walking with you. And he'll still wait. He'll still wait to be invited in. And so just like Jesus did with Peter as they broke bread on the beach Jesus fully reveals who he is around the table uh, of this home. As he breaks the bread as they sit around the table Jesus breaks it and he gives it to them. And it's when he does that that they recognise who he is. See, his, his nature, his love, his, his continuous pursuit in grace and mercy is then fully revealed as he breaks the bread. And that's why we want to finish our time together doing that. So maybe for some of us, we just need to be restored. Maybe we've carried some thoughts and some feelings that haven't been good, haven't been healthy much like Peter I believe but in the breaking of bread Peter is restored in the breaking of bread Jesus is revealed to these two people that were walking away from him and so I can't stress this enough, you don't need to have it all worked out to come to the table. You do not need to have it all together to approach this table. In fact, if you think you have it all worked out, if you think you have it all together, then the table is not the place where you're going to come to and so I think it is enough in the same way as it was for the prodigal son that it was for Peter as it was for Thomas even as it was for these 
um, two people that were walking away from Jerusalem. It was enough that they just turned toward him. They turned their hearts towards Jesus. And that was enough for Jesus to come and restore and reveal himself through the the symbolic act of breaking the bread. And so Neville is going to uh, lead us in that now uh, and then pray for us as we um, as we conclude our time together. But thanks for being with us. Um, let's let's take uh, take the the bread and the wine together now as family if possible and let's just turn our attention toward him let's just turn towards him casting all of it upon him knowing that he cares for us bless you all have a good day